Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Liberty Diner Dish. I'm Ken. I'm Michelle. And we're about to jump right into another episode of Queer as Folk. Okay, but before we do that, so we are recording this in April of 2021. Yes. And so by now, you guys have probably heard that Peacock, a streaming service, will be um, doing a reboot of the British version of Queer as Folk. So Ken sent me a text message and he was like, oh my gosh, did you see this? It was a screenshot of this announcement. So from the time you saw that to me telling you, actually, that's not the one we were talking about. (laughs) Tell me your emotional journey there. Yeah, so I went from like so happy and ecstatic to, I mean, like just crashing like what? I mean, new cast set in a different city. Like what? Like no. So I mean, uh, I'm torn. Yeah. I'm torn because I'm happy that they actually bring in queer as folk back. And this is a time where we really need to see see this, you know, yeah. like we're breaking gay boundaries. So, yeah, I'm I'm all here for that, but at the same time, I want my Emmett, I want my Brian, you know? I know. My well, Justin. Okay, so what we are both going to say is this is definitely a win for representation yes. and for diversity. So this is definitely a win. We want to celebrate it as that. But it's like okay, Here's an analogy. So, I don't know about y'all. Maybe y'all are a little bit more classy than I am, but I go to drive through sometimes, <laughs> yes. okay? And so, it's like, if you go to a drive through and you order a Coke, like, I want a large Coke, and, you know, you're listening to your music or you're deeply engrossed in a Queer as Folk podcast, and so you're not really paying much attention, you know, you pay for yourself, you drive off, a little bit down the road, you put your straw in, you take a sip of your Coke, only to realize... It's Pepsi. Or unsweet tea. Yeah. And you're like... And it's just that initial, like, jarring reaction that you have where you're like, this is not what I ordered. And it's like, but that's fine because I like unsweet tea, but still, this is not what I ordered. Uh And so that's where I'm at. I'm in that loop of it's fine, but it's not what I wanted. But it's fine. (laughs) You took, you put all the words in my mouth right there. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. That's that's it. For real. Like, I'm excited. Like you said, it's a win. But at the same time, it's not. Yeah. It's like, it's not the win I wanted. It's a win, but not the win I wanted. But Um, so we're going to just keep believing. We're going to, you know, we're going to get our journey on. We still continue, continue the right. Okay, because they're doing the British version. So, um, so we're gonna keep pushing for our Brian and our Justin and our Michael. I know we want our Liberty Avenue gang. Like, I just think, I think that there is just truly a market. Like, forget this ageism crap in the world in general, and also just I think that there is a need for intergenerational media to be yeah. put out there. You know, we Absolutely. need to see older generations interacting with younger. Yes, they need more diversity in the cast. And I, they have all, in the interviews we've done with them, they've all said they know that. So that would definitely be mm-hmm. there. And uh, now that they're older, that would be a great story to tell. Yes. And the people who wrote that show are still incredible. And they still, like, have that quick wit mm-hmm. and they're just that smart uh, comedy that they have. And so it would, even if some of the cast, because it's where they are now, would be 50 years old. This would still be a very engaging show. It would be. I mean, and just to see uh, so many backstory, the, the the groundwork is already set. Right. And so you catching know? us up on 20 years, but then also seeing a lot has shifted, not just in the LGBTQ plus community, but in the world at large. And just like, how are they dealing with that? How is a younger generation mm-hmm. dealing with that? And Absolutely. Yeah. 
Anyway, we will come back to this topic at a later date. Yes. But until then, <laughs> and for today, we're going to jump into it ain't 207. The same. No, I like it, but it ain't what I ordered. That's my official stance. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so here we are at 207. When this episode opens, we see uh, that Emmett is uh, doing a little performance for jerkatwork.net. You know, I was kind of curious if that site is still working, but... I have enough questionable stuff in my history uh, with my computer, and I don't want to risk getting a computer virus. So. I got you, girl. <laughs> on our next visit, I'll let you know. Okay, I'm looking for Fetch Dixon. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but anyway, so he's already got he's already up to like 975 subscribers when we start. So uh, yeah, the people are tuning in. Well, girl, he does the most. He had the leg up and around the <laughs> around the thigh with the leg up. I was like, I don't know how he's doing that, but, but he's he making doing it work. It. Okay. Yeah. And let me just also add, why does he always cover up that beautiful body? That boy got abs and calves and, and ass. And pecs. Like, yeah, I like, love pecs. <laughs> out of this world, the boy is fine. The yeah. boy is bad. The boy is dangerous. He really, and you know what? To be honest, for me, it was kind of interesting to see Emmett be the one portraying like this story arc you know but i think you have to well for me i just had to be honest with myself and say well why do you think that is it because he's the more like nelly one Mm -hmm. and you don't think he can be sexy and he can be attractive or whatever and so i really just had to check myself on that right you know and really just question why i had an issue with it being Emmett. well it just he doesn't that's not his i mean i understand what you're saying i totally do i get what you're saying but for me the whole time, his personality didn't come off as that sexy. It was more quirky, right. you mm-hmm. know? He was the fun, flamboyant, outgoing, the one who's going to make you laugh and do that. Right. I feel like, like me, I can't do sexy. I'm cute. <laughs> okay? Like, you, you have different areas that you fall yeah. in different categories. I'm cute. I've never tried to step out to be sexy. I just don't have that thing. Yeah. So, for him to do, you know, this type of line of work, it brought a, a different side of him that he wasn't, he didn't even know that he had, you know? Yeah. And uh, I think it was a, a discovery moment for him. At the end of this, he's got over 1,000 self-satisfied customers. So mm. people are, are digging it. <laughs> and he doesn't even need that squeezy artificial yeah. Um, semen. <laughs> yeah. I can't think of the name of it. It'll come to me at the worst <laughs> moment, I'm sure. In the middle of the work day, I'll be like, oh, yeah, this. <laughs> uh, so... Emmett is uh, done with that round, and Ted's like, okay, round three, let's go. And Emmett's like, oh, no, honey, that ain't happening. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, come on now. Ted is pushing this boy like a will of work I know, he is. Okay, he's well, cracking the whip. Yeah, then he brings out that reverse psychology, and he's like, oh, well, you know, Peter Pounder. <laughs> and I yeah. wonder if that's a play on, like, Peter Page. But anyway. Yes, absolutely. So, so uh, Peter Pounder, uh, well, he was able to go six times in 45 minutes. Six so. times? Okay, um, Peter Founder, you can call me. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm but married. if you just happen to call, yes, like find I'm his number and call, it is totally fine. Yeah. You can Facebook me. But anyway, so that motivates old Emmett, and he gets back on the horse, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Michael is working at his shop, and Debbie shows up to bring him some food, and she's there mothering and supporting and encouraging and all that good stuff. Because you know, again, this is. A fairly new venture for him that he's been at for a little while. Uh, well, Ben shows up to bring him some $2 baseball cap that he claims Michael left at his house. Like, when have we ever seen Michael in a baseball cap? Ever. Never <laughs> have we ever seen Michael in a baseball cap. Yeah, so real subtle, Professor. Um, and so when he comes in, Debbie's still there, and she's so proud of Michael for 
getting laid, she says. But her little bubble is busted because she finds out that's not what happened. No. At all. <laughs> and, you know, but I just love Debbie in this scene because, you know, she's always so happy for Michael. And Michael always downplays everything for her. So, I mean, she's like, oh, my God. I love how she's always pushing him. Yeah, you can pretty much count on her to be Debbie (laughs) at all times. always. Yeah. So, you know, last episode, we saw things heating up between Michael and Ben. But then Ben told him his status. And so we didn't, we just kind of see Michael's like, oh, reaction. And so we don't really know what happened. But we find out that that fire was extinguished extinguished um at least for that night so ben has stopped by to see how michael is doing after he revealed his news and i think that's a real stand-up thing for ben to do not because he owed him that but he's just like hey i'm sure that was maybe a shock to hear and so i'm just coming you know to show up and yeah i mean it was it was very like you said stand up because i mean michael could i mean he could have easily like ran swept it under the rug yeah hell he didn't even have to disclose that information i mean i'm, I'm happy he did right because you know there's a lot of people out there who do not disclose their statuses or don't even know their status to to disclose yeah so the fact that he even had enough nerve to tell him and then come in and check on him the very next day i mean it just shows his character yeah i definitely agree with that yeah and so ben is just kind of talking through it he's like you know, I haven't really worked out how to slip that part into the conversation and i imagine <laughs> it was you know definitely at that time would have been a kind of a clunky conversation to have and uh so you don't want to make assumptions basically uh you want to well i imagine that you wouldn't want to make assumptions about you know good or bad how they would take what you're going to say and so you want to get the timing and the wording right but i would imagine that's a very hard thing i mean i can only imagine that's like probably one is one of the most scariest conversations i mean to ever have definitely at that time yeah Yeah, especially at that time Mm -hmm. because back then there was no prep there was no being undetectable. It was right. like you had HIV, and if you didn't take your meds regularly, uh, regularly, or if your turns, body didn't respond yeah, well to them, exactly, it turns into full blown, mm-hmm. and then your your days are numbered. You know, right. so I mean, and people were a lot of people were ignorant when it came to, and not saying ignorant in the bad way, and right, in the worst but just ways, uninformed, uneducated. uninformed of all the information regarding you know the actual disease. And um, so it was really like a death sentence because either you actually died from it or you died from isolation because no one really wanted to be around you, you know? Yeah. So it was just terrible. Yeah. So. And so just putting yourself out there, knowing that you are that you are risking that, you are risking being ostracized, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, I like that he just shows up. He doesn't, he's not, you know, his head isn't hung low. He just wants to find out if Michael's still interested. Um, and um, I think that he figures... It's probably better for him to pick up that conversation, for right. Ben to pick the conversation back up, than to just kind of leave it to Michael, mm-hmm. see how Michael may, re- may react. But Michael is still obviously crushing on him. You know, you can see it all over his face. I love that. Yeah. I did. I love that. Because it goes to show right there, like, yo, you're still a person. Mm-hmm. This is something that you're dealing with, but I'm here for. I'm here to walk down the same road with you. You know, yeah. it's not going to stop. I love your personality. You mm-hmm. know, well, I'm attracted to your personality. And he's a good looking man. I'm attracted to you as well. And there's ways to be safe. Right. That's what he says. He says, after my mom told me I was gay, she gave me a safe sex lecture. And so, yeah, he knows that there are ways to to try to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we'll have more on that later. Uh, So then we see your girl is back or still around. Lita. Girl. I almost spit my wine out. You said, I know that, I heard. Yeah, and it, but you know, she she knows how to act now because she was showing her natural ass last time we met her, okay? <laughs> when we first met Lita, I was like, uh-uh, Lita, it's time for you to go. Ain't no way you're going to be up in my house kicking, bringing up old stories. Got my wife out here acting brand new. What you're, not, <laughs> what you're not about to do is come up here and disrupt this, okay? Yeah. 
But um, she was she was on her best behavior, so yeah. I, I'm here for Lita. Okay, she Go was ahead. there taking a look at their car, you know, telling them, okay, here's what's going on with it. You're gonna need some repairs, and they're gonna be expensive, which is not what Melanie and Lindsay want to hear because they are trying to get money to pay for this wedding that mm-hmm. they want to have, and so that's gonna kind of cut into the budget a little bit. So they bring up the idea of Lindsay asking her parents. So Lindsay brings that up, and uh. Because Melanie says, well, her parents are obviously, you know, a little tight with the coins. <laughs> so <laughs> Lindsay says, well, you know, we can ask my parents. Well, Melanie doesn't want her to beg. She's like, if they have an offer, they're probably not going to do yeah. it. So she just doesn't want her to beg. No, I mean, for real, though, you, you, we've already witnessed how that those parents treat um, Melanie and Lindsay. Right. Do not lower your self-worth. For some coins, okay? Mm-hmm. Because all you really need is the justice of peace anyway to get me. Oh, well, I guess you can't even do that. She would just need like a rabbi or somebody to come over, a pastor to come over and get them married. But no, do not lower your self-worth and be begging these people who has zero respect for you. Right. These parents don't care I about I mean, you them. just had to pretend that you were dating... Which, I don't remember if she was with no, no, she was Emmett with or was Emmett. she, yeah. she was with Emmett. Yeah. yeah. But still, though, just to attend a wedding right. for the third time... Who, someone who clearly does when not take... When they know that you are a lesbian. Yes. It's not that you were still trying to be in the closet. Like, they know that. And they're Thank like, you. do not be, do not come here and embarrass us. I know. So, no, absolutely not. I think Melanie was on the right track, you know? Yeah. But Lindsay wants this wedding. And also, she feels like she sh- it's old to her. Right. And, and I do get yeah, that part. I like, do. these are my parents. Why wouldn't they want to support me? I'm in love with someone. I want to make that more official or whatever. Why wouldn't they support me in that? They've Absolutely. done it for my sister. Three times. Yeah, three times. Why wouldn't they do that for me once? So I get where Lindsay is coming from. And my thing is with the sister's wedding, and I know I'm off topic on this, but it just makes me a little upset. <laughs> okay, but my thing with the sister's wedding, it's like the baby shower. Okay, girl, if you had the baby you and you had the baby shower, the next time... You keep the hand-me-downs. You don't have the baby shower every time you get pregnant, okay? <laughs> or at least change the registry up. Thank you. Yeah, you know, she keeps doing You the already same. got a crib. Thank you. You know, like I'm saying, this girl getting married and having weddings. Like, I mean, major weddings. Yeah, at this point, you need to do, like, destination weddings Thank where you. it's just yeah, maybe girl. you and the parents. Like, stop it, okay? Matter of <laughs> fact, don't even invite anybody. It's, y'all should just elope. Stop playing with me. <laughs> yeah. And you got the nerve to fix your lips and not even want to help Lindsay and Melanie. Yeah. Stop playing. Okay, so then we see the guys in the locker room at the gym. Well, mm. it's Ted, Michael, and Brian. Girl, that locker room scene was everything, though, but keep going. What happened in the locker room scene? Uh, well, I think Emmett had some competition in there. <laughs> I think I think Emmett had some competition. Listen, this is what Ken said verbatim. Can you rewind in slow-mo? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what you're not going to do is put me on. But, but no, it was it was slow-mo worthy. It was. It was slow-mo worthy. Make sure y'all pause that in the locker room scene, y'all. He walks towards the left, okay? <laughs> Trust me. You should have seen where he positioned himself at I, the screen. <laughs> I had to get right. I wasn't going to miss not one angle. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Sorry. So, uh, Michael tells them that... Uh, you know, he has to do inventory. Uh, they talk, Ted asks if they want to go to Babylon, and Michael says, Oh, I've got to do inventory. But Brian and Ted are too smart for that. They read right through it. And Brian figures out that he must have plans with that teacher, the professor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then Emmett comes in, and there's some fan asking him for a private showing. <laughs> and his manager, Ted, is over there quick to intervene and tell him that he needs to show some coin before he can see Emmett's tenderloin. And I'm like, no, for real, <laughs> who is this new guy? This yeah. is a brand new Ted. It's almost like Brian and Ted, um, they did a body swap. 
Like, I mean, for real. But yeah, he's protecting his investments, okay? Yeah, like, he you really know, no. is. If you want to see that extra mile, baby, I'm going to need you to pay them coins <laughs> on Jerk It. Come on through. We'll be waiting for you. Yeah. Uh, so Emmett is becoming a bit of a celebrity. I guess like nowadays it's like being like TikTok or Instagram famous. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's all, oh, I'm not a star. I'm still just little old me. <laughs> Please. Everybody over here looking at you. Okay, yeah. Mr. Fetch. Yeah. You got me looking. So Lindsay and, and Mel do go to dinner with Lindsay's parents and they're trying to be nice. And Lin- Melanie's trying to make conversation. She brings up the necklace, you know, just trying to find ways to connect with her on a human level. I hated the scene. <laughs> you know? I hated yeah. the scene because there's no way I could have sat at that dinner table and yeah. been cordial with these people. Anytime they made any reference towards their personal life, uh, can we get some butter? Yeah, they weren't uh, even listening. No, not at all. This was like so waspy of them. Like they didn't even really... It's like, you should just be happy to be in our presence. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Girl, there's you know? no way. But yeah, as they kept trying to bring the conversation around, not just to money, but to just them in general. Yeah, like you said. Yeah, they kept shutting it down. Mm-hmm. I mean, uninterested, mm-hmm. n- nothing at all. They gave nothing. Right. There's no way I could have sat there. Yeah, and so it's this way to, like, shut you down without being rude is how they were it doing it. It was rude. Yeah, no, it was definitely rude. But they weren't being like, oh, I guess... In their mind, they're not being overtly rude. They're not like cursing you out and saying, get out of my face. It's just, they're well, not they're even so lucky that they have really. a Lindsay and a Melody, a Melanie and not a Ken. Because <laughs> um, I can't say the way that Michael talks to Debbie is probably how I would have talked to them. So they would have deserved it, right? Yeah, there. they did. Yeah. Uh, but so her mom keeps finding ways to mention Lynette also. It's like, you have another daughter. And on, okay, here is what got me when she says something about how Lynette. And her new husband, I guess, have been talking about kids or whatever. She's like, you know, they might make me a grandma soon. It's like, excuse you. You already are a grandma. Exactly. Like, again, you do not give a damn about my life. Mm -hmm. I had a baby a year ago. Right. You probably never seen Regardless of the circumstances of how he came to be, that's your grandchild. Yeah. And he came out of me. Right. It's not Mel's baby. It's Lindsay's baby. It's Lindsay's baby. Well, I mean, biologically, you know what I mean? Yes. We didn't adopt any of that you know like this is your grandchild mm-hmm. clearly you never see him you know like if you grandparents fall i don't care if the if the grandmother had issues with their gay relationship that is an innocent child right that has okay? nothing to do with has that. nothing to do with it she would fall in love with that baby gus is adorable mm-hmm. okay she would fall in love with that baby so clearly she's not even seeing the baby at all these are some terrible people they really are yeah they're judgmental terrible people yeah uh, and then Lindsay's dad, like, doesn't really say anything. He really lets the mom kind of run the show. And you're like, yeah, well, I can kind of see how that household works. Yep. <laughs> and so even if he doesn't feel as strongly as she does about things, he's not trying to explain or smooth no, it over. He's it's just not like, this up. is what it is, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. She speaks enough for the both of them. Mm-hmm. Yep. He is never going to speak up. Well, I mean, listen, listen to the way she acts. I wouldn't want to speak up either. This is going to make shit worse for him when he get home. Yeah, that's know? true. Yeah, so when Lindsay finally gets around to asking for the money, they don't even listen. And she is practically begging, which Mel had told her she did not want her to do. Uh, But then she's finally just like, well, you helped Lynette. And her mom says, well, that's different. And Lindsay, of course, asks, how? How so? And she says, because her wedding was real. I don't know what yours is. I mean, how rude is that? Mm -hmm. I would have doused her in the face with some water. That's when you throw a drink. 
you make a scene. You make some kind of scene. That's like, what, that is what wasps cannot stand. Yes. Somebody to make a scene. They're in a nice place. I would have showed out because I would never talk to you again anyway. Yeah. I would never speak to you ever again anyway. We're going out in a blaze of glory. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I'm not going to let you leave feeling like you just put me in my place and you make you feel good about yourself. No, let me hit you with this water in your face or this wine and burn your <laughs> eyes a little bit, you know, and then make you have you something to think about. You won't ever say those words again because next time you think you get the blink in them eyes, get the burn, that wine was in my eye. Yes, that part. Okay. I just, oh, I hate her parents. Excuse yeah. me, y'all. And I don't hate anybody. And hate is a very strong word, but I just but dislike they them were, They were awful. They are kind of, I guess... I don't know. You almost want to come like a caricature of what these yes. like straight, uh, intolerant parents would be like. But I, I do think I don't think that was the cheap or easy way to go. I think that was the right way to go for, for how to write that scene. Right. Though, because that is real. That is true. Even though they both have jobs, they're thirty years in their thirties. Their her mom is still treating her like this. Yep. You know, and so I just felt like that was a very honest thing. And for them to say, okay, fine, we'll just give you the money. I just felt like that would have. Uh, cheapen it a little bit i think we had right. to see this side of her mm-hmm. and also just teaches us more about Lindsay. i, I was just about to say the same thing it gave us the backstory on, on her life you know yeah so yeah absolutely and so i mean i'm appreciative that we are getting to see her parents a little more because i thought we, we were only going to see them that one time so mm-hmm. the fact that we're getting to see them a little more we're getting we're gaining a little more insight on Lindsay and how she actually works right you know? and we see why certain things are the way they are in her life even that episode when she was complaining about Ted's website or Melanie posing right. in the thing or whatever, you can kind of see. That's, yeah. that's her background. That's where she it comes, comes from. from. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we see Michael and Ben and they're enjoying a nighttime stroll and they're talking about Ben's book and just about his general outlook on life and probably a lot of just what has gotten him to be okay with just who he is as a person, but also his diagnosis mm-hmm. and all of that, you know, and he talks about um, he's learned to put his fears aside and to find serenity in chaos. Yeah. And so... I like this Ben. He feels, he seems very mature. Yes. Uh, yeah. He does. He feels um, really mature. And um, I love that he walks his truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, he walks in it and he's proud. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not only is he proud, he doesn't mind sharing it. He wrote it in a book. Yeah. You know, like he wrote it in a book, which is stepping stones for the next person coming along that road, mm-hmm. you know? Because like I said before, a lot of people um uninformed on how to actually deal with that situation. So the fact that he's out there voicing it and he's very proud and he's showing Michael so much love and attention. I mean, it's just such a cute scene. I love them two together. You know, I love seeing Michael happy. When Michael's yes, happy. I know you did. Yeah, when Michael's <laughs> happy, everything just goes a little smoother, you yeah. know? And I always want him to not be chasing after Brian, which he hasn't. I'm very impressed. But yeah, this this is good for him. He needed this, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. After coming from that whole David um, breakup thing. Right. So and then it ha- having that time where he was so unsure of it, of himself or mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. I think I think t- he needs to be with someone who is so assured in themselves that they don't need to create a duplication of themselves or need to create some boy toy or whatever. They're just like, hey, I'm good. Uh, so a friend, a friend of mine and a listener of her podcast, she's and I'm probably going to use this several times. She says, you have to be the cake. And let the person you're with be the icing. Like, yeah. You gotta be the cake on your own. Mm-hmm. And so that's what Ben is. Ben's very much the cake. And mm-hmm. I think that Michael needs somebody who's who's like that. Yeah. Uh, I like that. That's a yeah, great scene. Yeah, I, like I know. That. I'm stealing that. <laughs> that I, that's that's Lori. <laughs> Thanks, Lori. Uh, okay. Ben also says that you know you have to stop regretting the past, uh, stop fearing the future, and live in the now. And so they make a decision that they're gonna live in the now as they're making making out. In this little park thing. 
Uh, anyway, so we go over to Babylon, and Ted is there working on building up his talent pool. Girl, <laughs> I'm going to say it again. Who is this man? A few On 4th of July, this boy was holding up the smallest pride. flag. Oh, pride. Yeah, on pride. Thank you. Holding up the smallest flag and was quite high. How are you? I mean, can barely even speak. <laughs> he is out in the crowd. He I know, is power wor- stance, like yes. your feet spread far apart. He's working it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can see it in his face. Hell, I'm like, damn, this new Ted is sexy as hell. Okay, You like, want him to call you too? I mean, girl, don't make me into no thought. No, come on now. <laughs> Let me tell you, you can call me too, baby. Uh, but um, yeah, but I love this newfound confidence he has, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, he's proud of what he's doing. He hated being a CPA. You know, yeah. he was only doing it just to do it. This is something that's his. He's making great money. He feels good about himself and it's giving him the confidence that he needs. He's getting to work around these sexy ass men. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he over here killing it. I'm not proud of him. Yeah, I know. He's, uh, yeah, he is doing his thing in, um, in Babylon there. He goes over to the bar and Brian and Justin are there. And Brian asks him to hook him up with some of his employees. And Justin notices his the Rolex that Ted is watching. And Justin must be used to the finer things because Girl, you know remember back is. in season one, he told Michael with Dr. David to hold out for a Rolex. Yep. <laughs> uh, but Teddy is on top of the world right now. You know, he's talking to them about how before he had a job and he was doing all this stuff to make other people rich. And now he said, well, now I'm doing what I love to do and it's working for me. Like I'm making all the money now. Absolutely. Yeah. But did you, you can just pick up on his newfound confidence because... He didn't say Brian. He's more cool with it. He was like, oh, okay, yeah. Brian. Yeah. You, you, yes. you get it? Brian. I was like, okay, now you're trying it, okay? Now yeah. you think you cool? You think you cool now? I think Brian doesn't really know how to deal with that version of Ted. He's used to the other Ted, you know, that he could just kind of pile on, you know? But uh, yeah, this is this is a new Ted. It's going to take him a minute to figure out, okay, what do I do with I'm you? telling you, they did a switch. <laughs> yeah, and Justin's just amused by it he all. He is dying. He loves it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Emmett arrives and his adoring fans are fawning all over him. And he's playing this reluctant celebrity role so perfectly. Come through, Emmett, okay? <laughs> yeah. I'm here for the dramatics. He's like, oh, ultimately, it's all so empty. You still go home at the end of the night alone. But then a guy comes over cruising him and he's like, not but tonight. not tonight. <laughs> yeah. Not tonight. So as Emmett is trying to leave with the guy, Ted goes all stage mom on him. And he's doing like, the most now. He, he really is. But yeah, girl, he goes all the way stage mom. I mean, taking drinks out the hand, giving him a curfew. I didn't tell him, don't say, eat those nuts. Yeah. You can't, can't wait. <laughs> okay, but you fix to go get up in his face and take his, you know, get the little number and the little tray that I was yeah, about to get. Yeah, do your little spiel. Yeah. yeah. Okay, like, stop it. I mean, and he pushed him on out the door. Like, go home, get some rest. I need you. You have a matinee. Okay, yeah. like, he's doing the most. <laughs> doing the most. But then, Messy Brian. I love Messy Brian. Yeah, he was messy. <laughs> So, Messy Brian goes over to point out to Emmett that while he's doing all the hard work and having to go home and pass up on the guys, Ted is reaping the benefits. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> he, you know, he tells him to hold up his hand. He's like, let me see your watch. And he was like, well, I don't have one. He's like, mm, I know you don't, but <laughs> Ted's got a Rolex. Yep. That was uh, so shady. Yeah. And Justin's over like, oh, gosh, only Brian would do this. Yes, only Brian. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But I love what, the way Brian handles this because... He's like, Emmett, you're being taken advantage of. Yep. But instead of just saying it directly like that, he's going to do it in his Brian way. Mm-hmm. So we were talking about this, but it's kind of interesting because this episode, in a couple episodes of season two so far, Brian is really kind of more in the background. Yeah. But he's a support to his friends in an interesting way. Like uh, there was the one episode, I think maybe 205, where um, you know he helped Ted by getting him a job. 
he helped Michael uh, you know, with, with that um, with, comic book yeah, auction. auctioning mm-hmm. off the comic book, and he helped Justin by buying him that, that computer. computer. And so then in this episode, now he's helping Emmett yeah. <laughs> in a different way. Like, hey, don't Showing let him, him take you for granted. Like, yeah. Hey, you're the star. You're making him all the money. Clearly, he has a Rolex. Okay, mm-hmm. he went from not having any flashy clothes to a Rolex. Okay, right. and um, you have nothing, mm-hmm. and you're doing all the work. Yeah, all the work. So it was like food for thought. Yeah, because Emmett was just going to go along with it. Because sometimes Emmett doesn't um, think of himself first. You know, he especially doesn't. when it involves people that he loves and people that he trusts. You know, his friends. He doesn't put himself first in those situations, and so he. I don't know that. Maybe at some point, because Emmett is a smart person and he's perceptive, but it might it might have taken him a little bit longer to get to that place. True. But and Ryan also, had to drop that seed there. Right now, he's a little obsessed with like, I mean, he's the newfound he's fame. He's lost in the fame of yeah, it. So he's not thinking about exactly. it. Exactly. And that's the difference. You can be famous with no money, you know, mm-hmm. and you can be rich and not famous. That's so, true. I mean, he's obsessed with the fame right now because for once, both of them, these were the ones who always got overlooked, you know. Right. Emmett had a lot of personality. He was always fun. But when they went to Babylon, it was always Brian getting all the action. Now you see Ted and um, Emmett up front. And so, I mean, he's loving his newfound um, um, fame. This All this attention is coming toward him. So he's not even realizing about, not even thinking about, you know, what about my funds? You know, what about the coin that's supposed to be coming in? It's like, what about my respect. Yeah, my respect. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like, you're supposed to be my best friend. Mm-hmm. You're my best friend and you're taking advantage of me. Yeah. So. And he didn't even realize. But that's how it goes. A lot of times you don't realize you're being taken advantage yep. of until, yeah, it's too late. Um, so then Michael and Ben arrive and Ben immediately is like, let's get to it. Takes his shirt off and hits the dance floor. What are your thoughts on Ben? Um, my thoughts on Ben is that, um, he's super sexy. I love (laughs) that he is super sweet. I love that he's smart. I love that he's also goofy. I love that he's honest. I like Ben a lot. I like the professor. I like that he's a professor, but he's not afraid to let his hair down. Yeah. He's just like who he is. mm -hmm. And he's, he's completely embraced every side of himself, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And that's good. Yeah. So Justin spots Michael and Ben and is like, ooh, who's that hot guy he's with? Well, and then Ted is like, hey, Michael. <laughs> so they, <laughs> they wave him over. And Michael introduces Ben to Ted, Justin, and Brian. And um, he says, well, this is Ted. This is Justin. And there's a little bit of a pause before he gets to Brian. It's almost like he's afraid that Brian may steal Ben's attention. Well, no, I don't think that. He, didn't, he, he, he already knows that Brian is going to sabotage. You saw what he did to David? <laughs> we saw that was... From the moment we met David, it was the Brian and David battle. It yeah. was the, the battle of the the Billy Goats. They was always ramming each other's horns. Like, no, who who wants to go through that again? He already yeah. knows. Like, no, I'm not gonna do this again. And he gave a good look at Brian. Like, yeah, Brian. Like, I mean, he he paused, <laughs> yeah. but he stared that at him. Be like, it. yeah, I'm gonna say, yeah, that could be part of it. I mean, I think also, it's, go ahead. No, no, okay, I'm sorry. No, no, Brian, no. Brian is focused on Justin, so I don't think he's worried right. about that so much. It, it really just goes down to, like, do not fuck this up for me, Brian. Like, do not do that. Like, I know what you always want to do. Don't do it. Yeah. He's definitely concerned a little bit. You know, you can make up your own mind on what you think he's concerned about. But he's definitely concerned about him being introduced to Brian. But anyway, so Ted is talking to him, and he thinks that he recognizes him. And Brian kind of gives him a once-over. But Brian's reaction is kind of interesting to me. And Justin is just kind of open, openly oogling yeah. <laughs> the man. Yeah. So Ted is trying to place where he might know him from. And Michael points out that Ben wrote a book. Mm-hmm. Ted puts it together and says that, oh, yeah, I read your book. And as he's talking, he's like, oh, yeah, it was very honest and raw and revealing. Yes. Because we know that Ben wrote about his, his, his status. Yeah. In his book. Yeah. What did Ben say? 
Well, they're having this like silent conversation, you know, <laughs> but you can definitely read between the lines. But then Ben ultimately gets to where he says, oh, you know, well, that's what writers do. We just kind of cut ourselves open and bleed all over the page. Okay, that's what I was waiting for. Ben basically was like, you're not going to embarrass me because I own mine. You know, right. like, uh, I yeah. own mine. I know what I put in my book. Yeah, I wrote it. I wrote it. You're not going to, I'm going to own it. It's what I wrote. So then Ben and Michael go back to dancing and just, Justin comments on how hot Ben is. And Brian says, he's all right. So yeah, I just still think Brian's reaction to him is interesting. I'm going to hold my opinion Girl, for a little bit. I know how, I know where you fall in with the Brian. No, whatever. no, no. Okay. There'll be a time in a minute later in the episode for me to mm-hmm. bring up my opinion. <laughs> It's not what you think. Mm. Uh, so Ted says, oh, yeah, he's he's good looking. He's got a great personality. You know, he's pretty much perfect except for one thing. He's positive. And I don't like the way Ted worded that, but I see what he was getting at. Yeah, but he put a negative spin on it. He did. And, and also, it's not his damn business. He should have let Michael disclose that to yeah, the group. Yeah, because he did. Yeah, he did go ahead. He told um, Brian and Justin. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, for one, that is not your place at all. To be telling someone's personal business. Yeah. And Michael's interested in this guy. When Michael was ready, Michael would have told y'all if he wanted y'all to know. Yeah. Period. He should have never done it. I think he overstepped his bounds 100%. Yeah. Uh, so then we see Melanie and Lindsay, and they are having coffee at a bakery, and they're talking about the disaster of a dinner they had with Lindsay's parents. Um, Melanie recognizes that Lindsay is really just wanting her parents to show their love for her in the ways that they've shown it for Lynette. And so it's not just about the money. Like, yeah, she's asking for that and she will like that help. But it's like, care about my life the way you care about Lynette. Absolutely. Care about me the way you care about her. So, yeah. Good luck with that. They're never going to give you that, girl. Yeah. But Melanie says something that is slightly unexpected from her. She says, you know, we could also try to make more of an effort to include them in our lives. Like, yeah, they haven't included us, but we can make more of an effort. True. You know, so by not doing that, we're just as guilty. She says, we can invite them over, let them see how we live, let them see that we are a loving couple, that we are a family, that we are, quote unquote, normal. I agree (laughs) with that, though. Do you agree? I definitely agree with that. Yeah, I do, too. I mean, you have to have that door open so they can experience it. If you've never had the door open, it was closed, why would they walk through? Yeah, how can you change whatever their preconceived notions are if you never let them see the real thing? Exactly. If you never let them see your real life and your, your real little family, how can you change what they think about you? So true. So or at I least open the door and encourage yeah, that. You know, exactly. you can't make them come through the door, but at least no. open it and encourage But just know it. that they have the key and they can walk through yeah. anytime they want to. You are you invited know? here. We mm-hmm. want you to know us. Yeah. We're Absolutely. not who you think we are. We want you to know who we really mm-hmm. are. Yeah. So over at the diner, uh, Ted, Michael, Emmett, and Brian are talking about things with, uh, with Ben. And so before we get to that conversation, to that scene, I think that we need to back up a little bit and have some just like real talk. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, so the stigma around AIDS and HIV has lessened mm-hmm. somewhat since this episode would have been written. So since like 2000, 2001, that stigma has definitely lessened a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last few years, we've had several advances. Like you brought up some of this. There's PrEP. There's also PEP, which is, I guess, almost like a plan B kind of thing. Um, and there's the, you can be undetectable, which according to science in the medical community, you can't transmit. You, yeah. You virtually, you know, cannot transmit the, um, the disease. And your T cell counts is just as good as a healthy person. Right. And so 
yeah, like yes, we know the stigma does still exist, but it's it's not what it was then. But there still remains a lack of widespread education about the spread of the disease and even like how it is ha- is being treated and managed now too. Um, so resources are available, but um, that education is not what I would consider to be widespread. Uh, but even with this little bit of TV as I watch, I've still seen commercials for like Truvada and yes. you know things of that sort. But anyway, so as we go into this conversation to com- to provide some commentary on this scene, um, I think it's important to remember and to be very aware of where we are on the actual timeline of things because this conversation does in some ways date the show, but that doesn't make it outdated. Yeah, Because I think it's important to kind of have sort of an earmark of or timestamp on certain mm-hmm. things. And even though a positive a positive diagnosis now does not have to mean death right. anymore, it's still important for you to manage your risk and to maintain your own health. Absolutely. Uh, so Brian and Justin and the rest of the guys, you know, they would have been born in like 1970, 1971, which means they would have been teenagers in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So they would have been drilled into them. The whole stigma yeah. of the HIV <laughs> Yeah, um, and then the generation before them, there's a generation of gay men before them that was decimated you mm-hmm. know because of because of AIDS so it would it would have been drilled into them how dangerous how big of a beast of a monster AIDS and HIV mm-hmm. could be you know so you have to have like you have to think about think about it like that you can't think about it with a 2021 lens when this conversation was happening way back then to right. people who would have been coming of age in the 70s and 80s. I think I, I always take a little offense to this conversation or I'm a little more emotional to this conversation yeah. just because I had two uncles, you know, one that was um, heterosexual, but still contracted it. And then one that was actual homosexual and contracted it, you know, and they both passed because, like we said, back then there was like no no prep and uh, Travato and all the rest of those type of meds. And if you didn't take if your body rejected them, I mean, it was just really nothing you could really do, you know. And um, one uncle went 20 years without even knowing his status. And then by then, when yeah. he figured, found it out, it was too late, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so, I mean, I grew up with family members that carried this, you know, yeah. and we treated them no different than mm-hmm. anyone else, mm-hmm. you know, and we didn't really know much about it. I was a child. My uncles, one uncle died when I was like six and then another one passed when um, in 1999. So before, like right when this show was coming out, you know, yeah. but um, yeah, it was, it's just, it's really sad. And I saw how some people treated them you know where yeah. we're from so mm-hmm. everybody knows everybody right everybody and, knows everybody's yeah, business unfortunately exactly and the way that he was treated or the little snickerings and um look conversations behind his back i mean it was just really uncalled for you know so i mean this subject here really really holds a strong place in my heart yeah and uh, as, as a very tricky subject for me it really is you know and i just um I want to be, I mean, I can only be myself. I can only be who I am. And I am a person who is trying to learn and grow and become a better human being every single day. And so I want to talk about this because it's part, it's a, you know, it's a scene in the show. And so, of course, we're going to talk about it. But also, like, I have this fear of coming across as insensitive about it. And that's not at all what. No, I I'm not saying that you do. come out. No, 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 I yeah. know. Yeah. But it just like as we go into it, I just want to preface with with that, you know. Okay, so. So let's, with all those things in mind, let's jump into the scene. So Ted is very much not okay with Michael risking his life to be with Ben. That's how he sees it. Like, you're risking your life to be with him. And he's worried about the possibility of an unfortunate accident causing transmission. And he even calls Brian out for making jokes. Now, okay, so based on what we were saying, we I get why Ted 
is taking this so seriously. He loves Michael. That's his friend. He doesn't want him to put himself at risk. I yes. get where Ted is coming from, but the way Ted is talking about this is all wrong. It's all wrong. It's coming from um, a condescending type of tone. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, he's not trying to educate him or coach him or be with him, a voice of reason or anything like that. It's like, this is wrong. You're not going to do this. Like, I mean, he's really upset. Yeah. You're not having sex with the man. Right. Well, you know? in... I'm sorry to cut you off there, no. uh, but Michael says to him, like, I know how to be safe. Well, now, like we said, in the year 2000, 2001, for the most part, and definitely before that, in the 70s or 80s, to be safe meant abstinence yep. or a condom, mm-hmm. pretty much. And that was that was pretty much all you could truly count on, right. you know? Um, and so what Ted is saying, if those are the only options, if you're not going to be abstinent with this man, there is a chance that something could happen. You could have an accident. Right. You know? And so... I like I said I, mean, I, I get, get where he's coming Ted's from. Concern. I don't like his delivery. I don't like his delivery. Don't necessarily agree with him. That's not what I'm saying. But yeah, his delivery is all wrong. It's very harsh. And even Emmett calls it, him out on it. And he says, "You know, Ted, you're being dramatic. You know, there are plenty of guys that have positive boyfriends." And he's like, "Well, none of those guys aren't Michael." And that made me feel better. It's like it wasn't like he was coming down and judging Ben. He was like, "I'm here to protect my friend." And also someone that he probably still loves. You know, we already knew that Ted had a shrine and he got over it or whatever the case. But at the same time, he still loves this man. He loves him as a friend. Probably loves him a little more deeper as well. So, I mean, I I understand where he's coming from. It is complicated with Ted because Ted saw Howard Bellwether a couple episodes back at that barebacking party. But still stood and clapped for him because, like, even if I don't agree with his actions, I agree with what he says as a person. And so Ted himself has a very complicated relationship mm-hmm. with what he thinks about about all that. He himself had an HIV scare in season one. And uh, so he even brings it up. Yeah, he does. Well, yeah, in reference to Emmett. But um, so I do think that for him uh and we're not excusing anything or trying to minimize anything. But for him, it's like Michael is my friend. I don't want him put at risk. Like I said, he calls Emmett out and he says, well, you weren't so nonchalant when you thought you might be positive, which is true. I mean, it led Emmett to go see the light. (laughs) Yo, (laughs) Emmett, now that's what extreme is. Yeah. That's what extreme is. Emmett did the most. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think that's something you even pointed out on the last episode. Yeah, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I remember mentioning it. uh, But yeah, we know that Ted cares for Michael and he's looking out for his safety and well-being. And it's just a very tough, intense conversation. When it's a stranger, they're a little bit less concerned, but this is somebody who's very close to right. him who's part of his day-to-day life. And so for Ted, it's a major issue and for all of them, but they're just like, well, Brian's being kind of quiet about it all. And Emmett's just like, you know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. what it is kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But he does, he has nothing to say when, when Ted calls him out because it is just a very complicated conversation, you know? Um, I love how Debbie, she comes up next and she like, you know, kind of breaks the ice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but before we get to Debbie, <laughs> they get even deeper here. And, you know, Ted already is a character who is so underappreciated by some fans. <laughs> so I hate that he is the one who has to have this opinion. But Ted is also the most pragmatic of them in some ways. Yep. And so it makes sense that he's the person that sees things as black or white. But he and he tells him, like, I don't care if it's not politically correct. I don't care if it's not the nice thing to say. This is my opinion. He's entitled to his opinion opinion, but the way you go about expressing that yeah. is not not Mm-mm. cool. But anyway, it um isn't. Michael says you're talking about Ben like he's a disease and not a person. And I think that's the key issue that I have. Yes. With with Ted here. 
And that's just such a powerful reminder. It goes back to what you were saying, like about your uncles, like th- those were your uncles. Yeah. You didn't know them by a diagnosis or a disease. Mm-hmm. I just knew them as my uncles and somebody that I love, yeah. you know, who just happened to be sick. Yeah. And so separate and apart from what you think about Michael dating him, Ted, uh, Ben is a human being and he's worthy of dignity and respect. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like you said, Debbie comes over to refill their coffee and um, Emmett shares the topic of conversation with them. And Brian kind of looks at Emmett like, why would you do that? Yeah, he <laughs> um, did the most. But he tells Debbie that Ted is saying he wouldn't date someone who's positive. And Debbie tells them, well, you know, one of you could easily have been positive. She tells them it's not because you're always so careful. It's because you've been lucky. So don't tell me. You couldn't love someone because they haven't been as fortunate as you. Because she came right through with the shade. Yeah. She shaded all four of them. <laughs> she sure okay. Did. I was like, girl, let me get my shades on because you you shady as hell. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. But I absolutely love what she's because that is true. Like mm-hmm. any of you could have had an accident or a slip up or yeah, whatever. Because you're not you know? always safe. Mm-hmm. You're not and always safe. And even if you are, you still can have those happen. same accidents that you're, trying, you're lecturing Michael on. Exactly. Yeah. Because even if you think that you've never been with a person who's positive, that might not necessarily be true. Absolutely. And Ted straight up was with someone who was positive and they did not use protection and he got lucky. And so if that's just thing with anybody, it ought to be him. Uh, and so Michael thanks her for support. And when she realizes that this conversation revolves around Michael dating Ben, you can see her starting to backpedal a little bit. Right. And this is, this is, Oh, my heart's kind of sank a little bit because I've we've we have never witnessed this part, this side of Debbie before. She's always been, you know, so loving when it comes to Vic and his um situation mm-hmm. with HIV AIDS. And then she's always been so encouraging and uplifting just in the community, you know, period. But to see her backtrack when it comes to someone that's extremely close to her, Michael, her son, it was like, wait, are you a hypocrite? Yeah, you know, like what is going on? I mean, I understand, I understand, because I, it was written all over her face. Mm-hmm. She didn't have to say anything. That look was enough. Michael felt the look. He immediately looked down and started eating. Yeah, you know. So it was just like she didn't say anything. She didn't have to say anything. It was her her actions. Her yeah. actions let him know that she's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and very very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so then in Ted's studio, Emmett shows up with his list of artist demands. And he As he wants, should. Yeah. He wants a private changing room with a toilet, a rotating bed. And a name over the bed. Yeah, he wants his name over the bed. Uh, and Ted is just not taking his demands seriously. And so they kind of get into it a little bit. And he says, if you if it weren't for me, you'd still be moonlighting as a naked maid. You'd be <laughs> buffing in the buff still. And Emmett says, well, if it weren't for me, your whole little venture would have failed, basically, which is true. Facts. I mean, he basically forced Emmett to get You forced him. <laughs> yeah. No, then ultimately, you know, Emmett consented to do it. I'm not saying he, you know, there was no consent involved, but you, he, he saved gave him your no choice. Yeah. Well, he saved your first little stream thing there. Mm-hmm. And so really, if it weren't for Emmett, none of this would be, would be happening. And Ted says, well, he could easily replace him. And Emmett decides to take him up on it <laughs> with I a was, flick of his scarf. <laughs> I, I was that part. Okay, that, that scarf flick was everything. Yeah. Okay, he came through. I was like, come through, Emmett. Show him who's boss. Because you're not going to disrespect me after I'm over here stroking for hours. Okay, I'm over here stroking for hours. My wrist is tired. My meat is raw. You know what I'm saying? I'm not even using the fake little semen ball thing. I'm not. This yeah. is all juice coming out of me. And I'm making you all the bread. Jizz ball. Yeah, jizz ball. There it is. I knew it was going to come. See, yeah. I kept, oh, come. Ha! Pun intended. Um, but still, though, I'm over here making you you, you all the money. You got Rolexes and stuff. My wrists look all bare. 
You know, like, I no, absolutely yeah. not. You're and not going to disrespect me. This is what I was saying earlier about the hypocrisy because he's saying, like, how he made um, all his clients' money, but none of it was for him. Well, now Emmett is telling you, I'm making you all this money, none of it's for me. Like, that's yep. not fair to me either. Yeah, but uh, Emmett's not here for it. And so with that, Fetch has left the building. Thank God. I was happy. <laughs> so at home, Debbie is in a cleaning frenzy and Vic confronts her. And she really doesn't want to talk to him about it. And she's kind of lashing, lashing out at him because I think she feels guilty for how she feels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so Debbie tells him that Michael is dating a guy who's positive And Vic's like, okay, so, what's, yeah. what's the deal? Um, and Debbie says that she doesn't want him to date anyone who is sick. And I love what Vic says. He says, who says that he's sick? Yeah, uh, okay, he's HIV positive, but is he sick right now? Right, <laughs> absolutely. Like, and Debbie's like, oh, you know, that's why I don't want to talk to you about it. And he's like, oh, so are you saying that negative people shouldn't be allowed, shouldn't be able to date positive people? And things just get really tense between them. And Debbie says, well, he's my son. I don't want him getting anything. And then what really, like, Girl, I understand that part. Don't say it. But what really was mm. like, oh, Debbie, this ain't your color, girl, was when she says, for the first time in my life, I wish my son wasn't gay. Oh, oh my God. My heart broke. I know Vic's heart broke. That yeah. was that was the worst thing that I think she could have ever have said. Yeah. I don't even know how she's going to recover from this. Like, Well, yeah, like, I get her saying, look, she, remember when we started season one, they were on this, like, farewell tour, basically, with Uncle Vic. You know, they thought he was going to die. They were just going to live it up on this little trip. And so Girl, yes, I, I get I, that part of it. And so part of her is, like, I don't want to... If I was going to lose my brother, and eventually we'll probably still lose my brother to this, I don't want to lose my son. Heterosexual people also catch HIV. Exactly. Yes, they do. In some ways, you know, it's kind of running rampant in certain areas. And it probably is in the heterosexual community because there's so many people who are undiagnosed because they think it's Mm -hmm. a quote unquote gay disease. And so they think that they can't get it or wouldn't get it or whatever. But that's a whole other tangent for me to go off on. (laughs) (laughs) but anyway while debbie is talking what she doesn't know is that michael has come in and he's overheard this conversation and by the time she realizes that she's already hurt uncle vic and upset michael yeah i mean vic come on now vic and debbie are thick as thieves yeah i mean we know for a fact that debbie will kill anyone over vic and Michael, you know, so I, I'm not trying to like, I'm not doubting her love. And I know the only reason why she's saying these things is because she does love Michael. And deeply. there's a fear of losing. Yes, I know that. I absolutely. Know that. But I mean, come on, Debbie, you're, you're smarter than that. You're more educated in the community than that. This community has accepted you open arms, you mm-hmm. know, like, come on. And now you're saying things that sound so uneducated. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. And I mean, I get you being concerned, you being worried. You're in. I mean, those fears are just human. You know, our emotions are, I don't know how, I don't know if people agree with this or not, but I remember when I was in college, I was riding with um, a friend of mine and her boyfriend and they were into a little bit of a fight. It was very awkward. I was sitting in the back seat. But anyway, (laughs) he said, no, that's how I feel. Feelings can't be wrong. He's like, they can be, you know, you can have those feelings based on wrong information, but your feelings are your feelings. Mm -hmm. And so I get the way, you know, Debbie feels how she feels. I get that. You know, I can understand how, scary and frightening that would be to say this is something that could could harm or kill my son i get being afraid of that but it seems like to me debbie ought to know enough and should have known enough people who have lived with this disease or have dealt with or interacted with it in some way to say okay let me just step back and take a moment to just really think (laughs) you know before i speak absolutely 
so Michael's up in his room. I think he came to just collect some things from there. And uh, Debbie's kind of upset because she's like, when were you going to tell me about this? And Michael says, well, I really didn't think you would care. And it's like, because the Debbie we know, we wouldn't, wouldn't think. Yeah. 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 But again, I'll say kind of something similar to what I said about Lindsay's parents. I'm glad that they... I mean, I don't like seeing this side of Deb, but I feel like this is honest because if everybody was just like, okay, cool. Yay, Michael. I'm so mm-hmm. happy for you. I don't think that would have been a very realistic right, right. depiction of the situation. But I kind of agree. It almost seems completely ludicrous for Debbie to be so adamantly against this. But it's like with anything else, it's different when it's your own kids. And it's easy to speak up on everyone else's situation <laughs> and tell them what they should or shouldn't do or should or shouldn't accept. Mm-hmm. But when it's under your own roof, for some people, it's a different story. So true. I was just like blown away. Blown away. And also, Michael didn't have to tell her anything. He's a grown-ass man. He don't have to tell her anything about who he's dating or the status of their relationship. He's grown. Because he's if he's not, yeah, if he's not telling her th- about every guy that he hooks up with, you know, yeah. at Babylon or wherever, then yeah. So Why does she feel? And it goes back to her helicoptering as a mom. Like, why do you feel like he needed to tell you that? Yeah. Like, wh- who, why is it so important that you know about his partner's status? Yeah. Mm-hmm. At this point, we're like, nothing yeah. has even happened between us. I haven't had like a scare or anything. Nothing has happened between us. Like at this point, why do you, why are you involved in the decision on whether or not I decide to move forward with this person? Exactly. Um. Then she says, well, you always want a, a normal mother. I'm going to make you happy. And she tells him, I don't want you dating that guy. And Michael storms out telling her he doesn't care what she wants and don't tell him who to date. And yeah, drops off some cuss words on his way out. Yeah, and that's what I was saying. When um, I, if I was Lindsay and Melanie, I would have talked <laughs> to those parents the way that Michael did because he hit up with the GD and the effing. Okay? <laughs> yeah. He hit up with everything. I was like, come on with the three-piece combo. Yeah. So over at the loft, and so this scene with Brian and Justin was not originally part of the script. It was added in later. So we weren't even going to have this. And we get so little of them in this episode mm-hmm. anyway. So I'm glad that they put this scene in there. But so Brian and Justin are there enjoying those kisses that are only shared between the two of them now. <laughs> and yes. and they are so cute. Um, I don't know if cute's the right word for them, but I'm gonna call it cute. But no, I like seeing cute. them I like seeing them be playful with each other, you know, because they it just comes get, off so natural. It is so natural. And they also just like don't that's another thing that sets them apart. Like they don't have that with the guys they trick with, that like playfulness right. there. Um where there's a where there's trust and there's communication and things like that um anyway so justin is talking about ben and michael and how they could never um they'll always have to be careful they can never forego protection and brian points out well you know well we haven't we haven't done that either and justin says yeah but we could and i think well you know in the pilot episode justin is the first one to bring up okay (laughs) yeah uh uh-huh And so, but I think he's like, okay, but this is a different situation. This is, we're not just like hooking up anymore. Like we kind of have this thing Mm -hmm. going. And so Justin, I think that's why Justin's like, but we could just the two of us, you know, Mm -hmm. when we're tricking or whatever we're doing, like, of course not. But with the two of us, he feels like we could. And Brian tells Justin, like, don't ever trust anybody enough to have unprotected sex with them. Like not even me. Yeah, and I love that he included himself in that. Yeah. He knows that he has multiple partners. He knows that he knows what what he what he brings, but he doesn't know what his partner mm-hmm. is, is was carrying or whatever the case. So I love that he told Justin off the rip, 
bro, never let anyone convince you to do this ever. You have to make sure that you're staying healthy and doing your most to, um, to keep yourself healthy. Yeah. You know? Manage your own risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't trust somebody else to do it for you. I love yeah. that mm-hmm. about him. Yeah. And he's very firm in saying no to him and very firm about making sure Justin knows not to even consider it. He's like, no. And that goes back to what we were saying about this being a different conversation for them in the year 2001. It's like, even a person who's looking out for your best interests, you still can't trust that fully because you just don't know. Absolutely. Um, And a side note, whoever choreographs these (laughs) bedroom scenes is a freaking genius because because you never see more than you should, Mm. but you see enough to make it all look so real. And the chemistry between those two actors anyway is just off the charts. It is. But I was thinking the same thing. I was when we were um, watching the show, I was like, damn, maybe by at least season five, (laughs) by season five, we'll get a little glimpse. The cameraman will slip up. Yeah, we'll get a little glimpse because that blocking that they do is amazing. I mean, from like the one moment I think I'm going to actually get a glimpse, they'll have it so dark in this one little corner. Yeah. So dark. So when he flip over, you can't see nothing. I was like, damn. And they are just so comfortable physically with each other as actors. That's why it seems normal. Yeah, it seems so normal. But also they're very good at like protecting each other, but in a way that still looks, comes across Mm -hmm. essential, you know, where Justin has a well-placed hand or Brian has a well-placed knee or leg or whatever. But yeah. So getting back to the actual scene uh he makes justin you know suit him up and he tells him and i absolutely love this he tells him i want you safe and i want you around for a long time and see my melt every time he says stuff like that that just shows that's him saying i love you yes in his brian kenny way and this is also like as close as he can get to admitting or addressing some thoughts about the future not necessarily their future as a couple or whatever but Brian wants to know that Justin will be safe and that he'll be around. I think there's an element um, of I want to know that I still have some degree of access to you, not mm-hmm. necessarily romantically or sexually even, but I want to know that you're going to be around and that you're good, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that that you're safe and that you're still here. And uh, you can kind of think about that versus his words in, I think it was 121 when Brian was going to go to New York. And he said, when I walk out that door... I'm not going to think about you again. And now he's saying, I want to know that you're safe. Exactly. I want to know that you're around. Yep. <laughs> Walking contradiction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I guess you could go super literal, but I'm choosing to go a little bit more romantic with that. I'm romantic with it too. I'm here for the romance. I love romantic Brian. Yeah. Uh, it's also him saying that he cares enough to make sure that Justin is being smart and being safe. Um, for Brian's sake. I think he wants and needs that that reassurance, especially coming off what happened in 122, you know, after the prom, he needs to know that Justin is okay and that he's safe, you know? Exactly. So it was like, don't go out and intentionally do something that could threaten that. Um, So even though he was firm, it was from a place of deep care and concern, I think. Um, So then we see Melanie and Lindsay, and they are preparing to host the Petersons, and other family and friends. And Lindsay is dressed very sensibly. She's got her <laughs> boobs taped down. Taped, girl. <laughs> All the way. She has on winter, winter white. Like, it's a little off-white. So winter white, thick 
leggings, okay? <laughs> pantyhose. Pantyhose, stockings. thick stockings, <laughs> yeah. okay? Not the Her thin, hair's pinned up. Cute yeah. hair pinned up. I'm like, girl. This knee length skirt on. Yeah. You didn't even wear that to dinner the other night. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You bringing them to your house and you look like a nun? Right. Like, the whole thing was let them see us. Like, you don't have to go over the top, but just be yourself. Yeah, um, she's not giving true depictions. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so Brian arrives and he's. We find out he's gonna babysit Gus while this is going on, and he gets to meet Lita, and that is an interesting interaction there. And so he's like, "Ah, oh, you're the evil ex," and she says, "And you're the Antichrist," because you know they would have yep. heard about each other mm-hmm. from you each know their other, worst yeah. enemy. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> like, uh, it would be Melanie telling Lita about Brian, and then Lindsay telling Brian about, about Lita. Lita. Yeah, so mm-hmm. they'd have heard the worst of <laughs> each other, the exaggerated stories, you know. But they're one and the same. Yeah, which I, is also funny because yeah. Melanie acts like she can't stand Brian, but Lita, she Lita. <laughs> yeah, she was with Lita before. And, and yeah. look, Lindsay, you know, you know, mm-hmm. we already know Lindsay and Lita had that rocky start. I'm not gonna say they don't they don't like each other now, but they had that rocky start. Mm-hmm. So, and she loves Brian. Yeah. So it was like these two are the same, uh-huh. and they're both good looking too. Because <laughs> don't get me wrong, although I didn't like Lita, she's good looking. Yeah, you know, she is. She is good looking. Uh, so Lindsay gets a phone call and then she announces to the gang that her parents are not coming because her dad hurt his back. Girl. Supposedly. I, mean, I knew that was coming. Allegedly. I, that. <laughs> I knew they weren't going to show up. Yeah. Uh, so Michael meets Brian and Gus at the park and he's telling Brian about Debbie's reaction. And he tells her, you know, she even, he tells Brian, she even said that she was, wishes I wasn't, that I was not gay. And Brian comforts him with a joke and a kiss which is a very brian comfort you know? he didn't kiss him on the mouth I, well yes he did it was on the side oh that's true it was on the side mm-hmm. it's, it's true uh well a lady comes to the park and she sees them and compliments and comments that they make a, a beautiful couple and brian just raised an eyebrow and michael is like glowing girl you know he was waiting for those words <laughs> yeah. like told you yeah you waited you squandered all these years <laughs> like this could be us brian <laughs> uh so Brian tells him that Debbie is right and that he should forget Ben. And for Brian, it's not about Ben being a disease. It's about how he thinks Michael will be able to or not be able to deal with the reality of what it can mean to date someone right. uh, who is positive. And I think he worries about how Michael would recover if something did happen. Or he's like, you know, hey, there are some realities to the potential bad days or bad times for a person who has uh, AIDS or HIV and so he's kind of concerned about Michael being able to deal with that. But I also wonder if some of this is so Brian just almost lost the guy, the guy that he is in love with. Mm-hmm. And we saw him sitting in that, you know, that hall at the hospital mm-hmm. there in that soul dead look on his face and that feeling of he knows how it feels was when, just yeah. is just going to survive. Um, what more could I have done or just whatever? And he knows how that feels. And part of me, I wonder if some of it is. He wants to spare Michael from having to feel that. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I didn't think of it then, mm-hmm. but yeah, now that you say that, definitely. I think that's where it's coming from. Like, hey, trust me, you don't want to be in one of these type of situations. Mm-hmm. It's not good. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, I mean, it's just not a good situation at all. I mean, yeah. we've never seen Brian stressed like that before, and he was stressed. Yeah. And you clearly, he was hurting, you know? And Mike, and Brian may be a hard ass, but he doesn't want any of his friends to hurt. None yeah. of them. He always comes to their defense whenever it's needed. You know. But I think, yeah, because he tells he tells Michael's like, well, what do you know? He's like, well, I know advertising and I know you. And he just knows Michael. And he's like, Michael, I don't know that you're strong enough to, I don't know, maybe that's not what he's saying, but that's what I get is that he's like, I don't know if 
you can handle it or if you want to handle that. And also, like you said, I don't think he wants him to have to have yep. to handle that. But he says, you know, you can kiss him. You can, uh, you know, do all this other stuff with him, but don't fall in love with him. And, uh, you know, I think that's Brian looking out for Michael in his own way. But yeah, just the face that he makes when he says, you know, just don't fall in love with him. Um, I think that's what makes me think that he's tying it back to it sucks to be in that position. Yep. Uh, so then Melanie pulls up on the Petersons and she sees that Lindsay's dad has had a speedy recovery. Speedy girl. Mm-hmm. Melanie lets them have it. I was so happy. I was like, I want to <laughs> yeah. clap right now. Bravo, 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 uh-huh. Mel. Pull up on them and let them know what's up. Yeah, she tells them, like, all Lindsay wants is your support. Like, I know what you think about me, but that's not who I am. You think I'm, she's like, you think I'm just a Jew lawyer here to shake you down? You think I'm the the lesbian who corrupted your daughter. That's not who I am. I'm Lindsay's partner and Gus's mother. Yeah. I love that. She just kind of gives it to him. Cause as she's talking, you know, she's using her normal male language and they're like, Oh, language. And they're you know trying to be all like uppity or and whatnot. She and she's like, speak. whatever, because you are being even nastier than I am with your behavior. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. They needed to hear this. Mm-hmm. They needed someone to come over and check their asses. And that's what she did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. She went over there. And did that to to confront them and to defend Lindsay. Like I love that about Absolutely. Melanie that she did that. Uh, so then Vic and Debbie are out back raking leaves, and Debbie decides it's time to clear the air between the two of them. Um, she says that she didn't mean what she said, and that kind of sounds like Michael. <laughs> so, oh, I didn't mean it. <laughs> That's yeah. where he gets the shit from. Yeah. He's getting honest. Yeah, but she says that you know she just can't go through it again. She's seen Vic at his worst and his worst, and she accompanied him on his farewell trip like i said um and she doesn't want to face all that again definitely not with her son and even though i think that's a fair argument no yeah i i think it's definitely a a fair argument i'm not saying that debbie's in the wrong for feeling the way she's feeling i just think that the way that she again it goes back to delivery yeah it's coming from a uh, it's coming from a a concerned place for someone you love so yes it's merit to that argument but at the same time you have to be more sensitive to that community. You have to be more sensitive to the to that subject. Your brother has it. Mm-hmm. You've broken your back. You spent twenty thousand dollars on credit cards that you don't even have yeah. for his farewell trip. You know, you you have to be you, you your mind have to be a little more open than what it is now. Yeah, and you definitely just have to be a little bit more, you know, aware, a little bit more conscientious about the words that you're using. You know, these are Ben is a person. You know, you still have to be aware of that and also just like what are you teaching people debbie you are in some ways a bit of a pillar in some ways on liberty avenue and so you have to kind of be just aware of that um but i do get that a lot of this is rooted in not in oh my gosh you have aids stay away or you have hiv stay away it's more i don't want to lose my son so i get that her fear is rooted in that and she says what affects michael affects me just what do we do if he comes to us and says, I have it. And Uncle Vic says, well, first we die and then we deal with it. He's like, OK, then it'll just become another fact of life. And then we'll we'll handle it. We'll move on. We'll move forward. And I love what he said, because I'm glad he used those words die. OK, mm-hmm. first we die as in physical death, as in, yes, we're angry. We're scared. We don't know what to do. We're going to lecture him. Our spirit has died. Then we wake up and we're going to deal with it. Okay? Right. As in. Life's still going to go on. The show is still got to go on. Then we're going to educate him on things, what he needs to do. You know? Right. It's basically, Debbie, we will do what I do every single day. Absolutely. I deal with it. 
Yeah. Uh, so then Melanie and Lindsay, their poor little party is a dud. <laughs> um, even Lindsay is thinking about exiting via Xanax. Uh, Brian and Justin are in the kitchen, and Justin's allergies are giving them a pretty good excuse to leave. He says his allergies are acting up because of the flowers. And so Brian's <laughs> like, all right, yes, let's go. <laughs> and I love that they it like wrap an arm drab, around no. each other. Yeah, and try to march out, but Lita blocks them off. She didn't let them go. <laughs> Lita's on, she's like, uh-uh, what you gonna do? You, you gonna leave me here with them, the munchers? Yeah. I thought that was so funny. Yeah, uh-uh, Lita's like, uh-uh, if I gotta suffer, you do too. Yep. So Brian decides that a few party favors might help kick things off. Um, so then we see that Ted and Emmett are still at odds. And I like that I noticed that their their clothing, their outfits are like exact opposites of yes. each other. <laughs> Emmett has like a brown shirt on with like a khaki pants and Ted has like a khaki shirt with brown pants you got or them vice versa. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or vice <laughs> yeah, versa. But that's I what mean, it is. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I love the play on it. But know? yeah, just uh huh, how they're like not on the same page at all. They feel completely the opposite about about things. I love that. And they are um yeah, Emma tells him, well, I've got a new, you know, a new job offer. And Ted says, well, that's fine because I've got a new star attraction. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Dick Long, I think. Mm-hmm. Mr. Richard Long. Is gonna... Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they trade some scathing and hilarious barbs with one another. And then Michael tries to intervene and they turn on him. <laughs> they shredded him. I feel yeah. bad for Michael. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I'm I'm not afraid to just be up front with where I stand on this. I am fully Team Emmett on this. Like, oh, Ted, dude. You're Ted out of line. Ted has went crazy. Mm-hmm. He's, he is he's way out crazy. of line on this. Way out of line. It's like, I am lending you my body, my time, and my talent. All you're doing is sitting there pushing buttons. You're giving me a stipend of coin. Okay? A stipend. <laughs> yeah. All right. And I mean nothing. He has nothing. I asked for a bed well, this, in my name. Even if it's not the money situation or what you're giving me or not giving me, the way you're treating me mm-hmm. in public, like you own me, like I'm a piece of property to you. You know, like I'm a human being. I'm I'm a grown man. Absolutely. I'm my own person. Yeah. So then we get a glimpse of Brian mixing some powder in the punch bowl to spice things up a bit, and then he goes off to find Lindsay hiding in her room, and. I like that little moment with them because they're kind of like siblings to me. Yeah, and I like I like seeing them more like that instead of that weird. She coming over begging for money. Yeah, her coming over begging for money, (laughs) or her like rolling up into his side trying to like blur the lines of what their friendship is. Like, no, I like when they are just like. Yeah, they're kind of like brother and sister because to me. Because in this scene, she was low-key pouting, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. And the way he jumped in the bed was like a child, mm-hmm. you know? And then she was like, leave me alone, like yeah. a kid. And he, he still wouldn't go anywhere, you <laughs> right. know? Right, so, because yeah, he knows you the, her. That's his yeah. friend, and he cares about her. And he knows, even if Brian's not one for just, like, these emotional conversations, he knows enough about her to at least temporarily get her out of her funk. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knows that she's having a hard time dealing with her parents' rejection, um, this is his friend and he's a fixer when it involves someone he cares about. So he tries to offer some comfort to her. He reminds her about a party from their junior year in college. And when, uh, she was dumped by Rebecca Tucci, <laughs> Brian tells her, and she's like, oh yeah, you put E in the punch and, uh, there were loose women and all this stuff. And Brian basically admits that, you know, he just drugged everybody downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Round two. Yeah. So they, you know, they're up there getting high in Lindsay's bed and they stumble their way downstairs and the party's lit now. That party was lit. It was topless girls. Everybody dancing. The music was popping. 
Lita got the um the the, the strap, strap on. on. I want to talk about that. Okay, where did she get it? Did Yo, who she? Do you think that? she brought it with her? Hopefully she did because I would've been hella hella mad if you didn't went through my little safe <laughs> drawer and you didn't put on my strap <laughs> and you let other people touch and suck on it because you see Justin's face was all down on. I'm thinking Justin, you don't even know where that strap being is. Yeah, but I want to talk about okay if it is Lita's. What kind of life is she living where she just has it on, on her person at yeah. all times? Like, when you're riding a Harley and that's just in your little satchel at all times. That part, I'm okay. not judging. I'm just curious what kind of life you live. Well, I said she was a female Brian. She got to stay now, ready. She got to okay, stay ready. Okay, now it's all making sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stay ready. <laughs> yeah, well, Brian grabs her by it and asks her if the offer still stands. And he um, leads her to their little makeshift dance floor. But then he leaves her to go find his man. I did notice that. Yep. You know, I'm always noticing something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the shirts and the bras are coming off. And right when things are really getting turned, Lindsay's parents walk in. Well, for one, they should have knocked. They should have. Okay, you don't just come. This is your first time coming to my house. And you just going to walk up in my door? Yeah. Like, no, 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 baby. You should have knocked. You know, definitely. So that's what but- they get. <laughs> they came in, but the daddy was having a good old time. Oh, yeah. Okay? He saw all the breasts. He was like, assists. okay, well, when in Rome. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. But the mom was not having it, okay? No, and she's like, this is what you call fun? And Lindsay's like, well, you know, maybe not to you, but to us. Like, these are my friends. Nobody's being harmed here. Right. And Lindsay stands up to her parents. Um, She says, this may not be your crowd or your kind of fun, but it's mine. She tells her parents that she invited them over so that they might accept her the way she learned to accept them. And her mom says, well, I didn't realize I needed to be accepted. And that's the most like egotistical, mm-hmm. hetero <laughs> thing I've ever heard. Anyway. And Lindsay hit her right back over the yeah, head. Yeah, she was did. Like, just, neither did I. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're right, mom. You don't. And neither do we. And Ron does a little final check around before following his offended wife outside he loved what he saw he should have hit him back i'll be back later yeah i'm coming back i'm, I'm gonna com- drop your mama yeah. off. i'm gonna drop off and i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna tell him i'm gonna play some tennis but i'm coming back because yeah. i mean he loves in the boobies everywhere yeah and but then we see melanie and Lindsay, and they are just happy together just how they are and they just you know we'll figure out the rest and that was a win for yeah, them yeah i think melanie is proud of her she's like hey you yeah. did it you stood up to your your parents you know and no matter what they think about you, these people here, we all love you as you are. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I was proud of her. That was definitely a big win, a big feat for her. I mean, we've been, we, Mel has been asking her to stand up to the parents or either stand up to them or just let them go. Yeah. Because they're not going to give you the respect that you're looking for, mm-hmm. that love that you're looking for, that reassurance you're looking for. That's just not in them. They don't agree with your lifestyle. They don't want to try to understand your lifestyle. It's like beating a dead horse, you know? So the fact that she finally had enough nerve to stand up, I invited you to my home to show you a glimpse of my life. I gave you, every, you clearly, every opportunity. Yeah, yeah, I gave you every opportunity to know who I am, and you clearly don't want to know. Right. You know, so, boom, I can deal without you. Yeah, I don't need and your just acceptance. finally get into that place where it's like, no, I don't have to hide the real me from you. You either love me as me, or there's the door. Keep it moving. And I'm so happy by this point, because we didn't know Lindsay had already taken her hair down. She let the boobs out. <laughs> yeah. She's back to regular Lindsay. She don't have those stockings on no more. She don't have the boobs all taped down and the hair all wrapped up. It's down and flowy, buttons all buttoned. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was happy that when they came in, that's the Lindsay they saw. The exactly. Real Lindsay. The real Lindsay. Yep. Because that's what she initially invited them over there to see anyway. So mm-hmm. that's what they got. Then at the studio, Emmett has come to collect his personal effects from Ted. <laughs> and 
I love when Emmett is all high drama. It is like my favorite. Yes. Uh, and Ted tells him, well, you know, your fans will miss you. And he does admit that Emmett is his main attraction. Apparently, Mr. Richard Dick Long was misnamed. Well, really, it's, <laughs> it's Dick Medium. But yeah. anyway. Uh, Emmett concedes that, well, you know, I do owe my fame to you. And I'm like, well, in that he put you on his website. But uh, still, anyway, in some ways, you know, I get well, it. Well, he did create the platform. Yes, he did create the platform. And he's allowing you to be on his platform. Uh, so it's, yeah. They needed each other. They did need each other. The thing is, it's about getting your respect and your cut. Yes. That's what it's about. So speaking of cuts, uh, Ted offers him 5%. And then Emma's like, oh, well, you know, it's not. It was never just about the money for me. It's about the art. <laughs> Please. <laughs> and so as a peace offering, Ted gives him a nice bottle of lube. And... Girl, I want some of that lube. It's heated to 98, um, 98 degrees. So it's, <laughs> I mean, it's body temperature. I can go back and screenshot it so you can order that. Yeah, I'm going to need that, girl, because it, it seems like it's silky and creamy. Like... I want that. Yeah, but he also gets him the rotating bed with his name above it. You know, just meets as many of his demands as he can because this is his friend, you know. Um, And I like that all this is happening while Emmett is holding. What exactly is Emmett holding? (laughs) I have no idea what he's holding, okay? I don't know what that was, but he brought that with him. (laughs) But anyway, uh, so they come to an agreement and they make up. And then I love the last little scene of Emmett jumping onto the onto the bed. Oh yeah, and I love the last little scene, the actual last scene with him in the red velvet silky sheets or whatever. I don't yeah. know what fabric that was, but it was, it was satin or silk, mm-hmm. one of them. But it was red. That man's body is incredible. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry, y'all always go to the gutter, but he was naked. So what y'all want me to do? <laughs> he has beautiful calves, beautiful ass, and beautiful abs. Did you see all of that? <laughs> I saw all of that. Yeah, he looked really nice there in all all the red. Peter Page. Uh, The Scarlet or whatever. Hit me. (laughs) (laughs) If you sing, hit me. Okay, but you're not single. Uh, That's the problem. I forgot. I got blindsided. See, this show be messing me up. It's trying to get me divorced. They can't be looking that that sexy and stuff. Yeah. I'm sorry if you're listening. I'm sorry. Oh, man. So let me get us off of that before we both get in trouble. For real. Uh, So Michael is back at Ben's and he's decided that he's going to keep seeing him. So, um, you know, they're they're on the couch together. They're making out. And then Michael says, hey, do you have condoms? And Ben tells him, you know, yeah, they're in the bathroom. So Michael goes to grab them. And when he opens the medicine cabinet, I think he's just a little overwhelmed by yeah. what he sees there and what it all means. It's a lot. I mean, I think it, he didn't really process everything. He doesn't know the regimen that everybody goes through, that you have to go yeah. through, you know, dealing with that disease. You yeah. know, I mean... Ben takes, you know, quite a few pills a day just to survive, you right. know? He, he already knows the side effects of those because his Uncle Vic, you have diarrhea, you know, you're throwing up, you know, yeah. like you well, lose and also, weight. There was a comment earlier in the episode where Michael was talking about a chapter in his book where he talks, where Ben says that his medicine was confiscated. Yeah. And so Ben says, you know, that was one of the worst days of my life. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you've got to stick to that. Yeah, yeah, I know we know it's different now, but then like you got to stick to that to that plan to that routine, and so yeah, I think Michael, I think it just kind of just hit him right. right then, you know. And not even and just speaking from experience, my uncles, um, and also around that time, 
the AZT medicine was horrible in the system. Yeah. That's what was causing all the side effects. I yeah. mean, extreme headaches. I mean, all, all of anything horrible that you could think of, that medicine that was supposed to keep you alive was causing you that. So you really wanted to choose, like, do I even take this medicine mm-hmm. and go through all of this or do I just take my chances, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, after Michael seeing those medications and it was, you know, how many bottles did we see? It was a ton a, of bottles. A ton. Now, some of those could have been just like, you know, vitamins or whatever that Ben just takes because he's Ben and he's healthy. Y- yeah, I think it's that. And even though like, okay, there's no guarantee that Michael w- would get it. But even just seeing like, oh, but this is Ben's life too. Like well, I've seen Ben at the college or in the comic book shop or out on dates or out at Babylon. But this is just as much a part of Ben's life also. Yeah, absolutely. And so to truly see, oh, this is what it, what being with Ben entails in some ways. And also not only is this Ben's life, but this could potentially be my life. I think, yeah, it all and it would hit be his life if they right, actually became, that's true. Because if they even became if a couple. He didn't have, yeah, even yeah. if he didn't have it, he still has to be there and, you know, be there for Ben and go through all the ups and downs that's going to come along with it. You right. know? So it is going to be part of his life, yeah. whether he contracted it or not. Yeah. Uh, so Ben comes to find him in the bathroom and he's like, just ready to continue the night. And Michael tells him, you know, I can't do it. Um, I think he thought he could, but I think, you know, in some ways, I don't know. In some ways I feel like he was fooling himself, but in other ways I feel like, you know, everybody else was just in his head, you know, and it was all just negative, you know, Debbie and Ted and Brian, like everybody else was in his head and we know Michael doesn't always he doesn't think, think for himself, for himself. yeah, and so because even if he was going to have that initial that reaction to just seeing, like we said, all of the medicine or whatever, and really thinking about the reality of it, he still, I think he's very much influenced by what everybody else was saying. Absolutely. Uh, only thing I just hate about the scene is that I wish Michael would have chose a different time, you know, a, a better way to say it. He didn't even look at him really when he said it, you know, like, like, I can't, I, I just can't do yeah. this, you know? Yeah. I mean, you could just be like, let's just slow things down, mm-hmm. things like that, you know, like a little more sensitive, but saying it like that, you probably treated him like everybody else. He said people yeah, run when they hear it's that. Like you're, yeah. It's like, you're clearly rejecting me for that reason, which you're totally allowed to do, which is totally okay. But it's just, I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, Ben is taken aback by it, but he also says that he, he prefer to find out yeah. now. Yeah, he understands that he prefer to find out now before there's no returning, you know, before things get too serious. Um, and I love the deliberate choice to have no music as mm-hmm. that scene ends and as the credits you know kind of roll. Um, it just lets you sit with that and deal with your own thoughts on it. Like, mm-hmm. how would you react? Is there a clear and definitive right or wrong in this, you know, in this situation? Um, like, do you side with Michael? Do you side with Ben? Do you do you sympathize with with one of them over the other? I mean, it's tricky, right? Yeah, and it's just, and we understand, like we like we've said many times, it's a different conversation now than it would have been in two thousand two thousand one. But yeah, it really just you just get to sit and think about that. Like, if I side with Michael or or even Debbie, does that make me callous? If you if I think that Michael and Debbie and Brian are just overreacting and being ridiculous, does does that make me careless? And right. So. It's just, yeah, a lot a lot to take in and think about. Um, and the show itself doesn't take a, a stance, but it lets you see this from several different angles. Not mm-hmm. every angle. There are other opinions, you know, other conclusions to come to. But it does provide you with a few. And then it just kind of moves forward and lets you come to your own conclusion or just let the question linger. Yeah, but uh, anyway, so 
But that said, I did like what we got to see of Ben. So, yeah, I mean, to me, he was a necessary character that needed to be here. He was a young guy who was suffering because at this point, we'd only seen Uncle Vic, who really thought his life was over with. He didn't even want to go testify and defend himself. Yeah, you know, um, because you know of his disease, and he just felt like he only had X amount of time left. Right, felt like his life really wasn't him. worth it. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't worth it. But we saw someone now who has this disease who has so much life left in them, so much to give. He was happy. He's fun, you know, loving and caring. So uh, it was necessary that we saw Ben in these yeah. episodes. I hope he still comes back, even though Michael and he are not together. Hopefully we'll get the, another glimpse of him for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, that was episode 207. Yes, guys. I know that was it was pretty. It was fun. I was telling um Ishelle. I was like, this one was packed with a lot. Like, my emotions are high. I went from happy to, like, angry. It was, like, no in-between. And then, I guess a little bit of sad, too. You know? Yeah. Like, but, I mean, it was a really, really good episode. Well, it, yeah. I re- I'm sorry. I just put this together. It has a lot to do about just accepting and le- and loving and that kind of thing. Because, you know, Lindsay's trying to be accepted by her parents. Mm-hmm. Here's Michael trying to accept Ben. Um, Here's Debbie trying to accept the situation of Michael right. dating Ben. And so... It really, and even just like Ted and Emmett trying to accept this new, when you go into business with a friend, that's a whole different kind of thing. And so it really did deal with acceptance and what, and, you know, Lindsay ultimately says like, hey, I don't need to be accepted by you. And so it really just deals with, with that in a very interesting way, that idea. Absolutely. I mean, I totally agree. Um, yeah. So it was some really, really good topics. Yeah. Yeah, and good subtopics within um, this episode. And it gave us a chance to just, you know, talk and talk and talk. Yeah, just kind of, yeah, work our way through some difficult stuff. And, you know, even if we're not at set conclusions on some things within ourselves, just, yeah, just. And this was just like a a real topic. This is something that it should always be addressed. And this is for everyone out there, guys. If you don't know, HIV and AIDS is real out there, okay, guys? So make sure you're staying on top or checking your statuses. Manage your risk. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, absolutely. Whatever, whatever that looks like for you. I know that there are some people that choose to have casual sex without protection. That's your choice, but I encourage you to manage your risk. Like, look into PrEP. Look yes. into things like that. I mean, you just, we just can't get that information out there enough. And so if our podcast has a little, even just a little bit, like, I mean, drop in the ocean yes. of an impact on getting information out there, like, we want to make sure that we are doing that. And also just to address the stigma about it, like, yep. like something that I hope that we try to highlight throughout this episode, a person is a person, not a diagnosis. Absolutely. Well, guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope you guys are staying safe out there. You already know what we already say. Leave us um, comments and feedback. Um, let us think, let us know what your stance is on um, on this episode. And um, until next time, guys, we are out of here. Bye. Bye. Bye.